our goal as a ministry is to help churches around the country recognize that as much as we are trying as pastors and Christian leaders to lead our congregations well, to love those who God has put under our care, to be a good under shepherd, under Jesus Christ. Every pastor desires that. You know what? In this culture, in this age, the gospel is still relevant. In fact, the gospel is as relevant as it's ever been in any generation. And the gospel is good news for the LGBT community. The fact that God calls us out of our sin. He calls us out of our brokenness. He calls us out of empty ways of living into his glorious kingdom. I desperately needed to be with some men in a men's group who did not deal with the same kinds of things I dealt with. I didn't just need to be with um, a bunch of guys who were coming out of homosexuality, but what I needed in my day-to-day -day life was a church, and in their own way, a, a kind of identity confusion about what it means to be a man or a woman made in God's image, and how do I live that out well? Just because we are opposite sex attracted does not mean that we have a clue about how to live out our true identity, which is we are image bearers of God in our masculinity and in our femininity, according to James, uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Welcome you to today's episode of the Love and Truth Network podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with us. This is one of those days that I do not have someone to interview. Uh, we're just going to be uh, sharing. I'll be sharing with you a little bit uh, about the ministry and some things that are coming up. I want to let you know that I'm really excited. I have an interview scheduled with um, really a dear friend of mine, a dear friend of my wife's. Uh, her name is Becky. Uh, Becky is um, a friend of ours, but she is auntie to our two sons. Uh, we love Becky. She is a, uh, a ministry partner as well. And, and God, you'll hear in the next uh, couple of episodes how God has um, really rescued her out of some deep and dark places and what he's doing in her life. Uh, I know she wants to be an encouragement to, frankly, far too many who have um, been taken down uh, the road uh, that she once went down, um, or not went down, but was forced down uh, as a little girl. And the things that she experienced, the abuse that she experienced, uh, we'll be hearing from her about those things and how God has, in his love and his mercy, has stepped in and uh, and and has rescued her. One of the things I love about uh, Becky's testimony is that it's evidence that it is never too late for God to bring healing to our lives. It is never too late, even when things have happened decades prior that should have never happened, that grieve the heart of God, but they should have never happened to us. She is evidence of how God can intervene in someone's life and how he can bring healing to places that are decades old and, and really begin to restore our soul, restore um, our, our health, restore um, our perspective about ourselves, about who he is in relationship to us and about um, others around us. And so Becky is just a walking testimony of that. So I'm excited for you to hear from her and in this dialogue that we're going to have over the next couple of podcasts. But in the meantime, 
I just want to share a little bit about uh, Love and Truth Network. Some of you have been probably following the our, on our email list, and you would have gotten some of the ministry updates, the quick ones that I've done on the road as me um, and my boys, my wife, Melissa, have been traveling in the Northeast and doing ministry up there. So every year, we travel back to where we moved from, where we lived uh, for many years. I was on pastoral staff for 12 years in the upstate New York area, and Melissa's from New Jersey. And we travel back to that area in part to visit family, and that's always a good thing to uh, to catch up uh, with them. But the majority of our time is spent um, in various opportunities of ministry with a variety of different churches all over the area. Everything, uh, churches from Connecticut and Pennsylvania to New York and New Jersey, and many uh, times churches that are in between our drive from Arizona to New York and back again to the Northeast and back again. So we did that, got home about two weeks ago or so, and really happy and thankful to be home. But it was another great summer ministry trip. We do this each summer. And it's a it's a bonding time, honestly, for us as a family, and uh, for me and the boys in particular, but also for Melissa too. And it's also just a great opportunity to engage as a family in ministry opportunities that the Lord lays out for us. So let me just give you a little bit of an idea of what some of those look like. It's, it's things... Uh, it's opportunities where Melissa and I get to share from the stage and sometimes uh, teach on a Sunday morning to uh, to the entire church. And we always love doing that. Usually all of our Sundays are filled up uh, in our travel of uh, preaching and teaching at churches. And But in addition to that, what's even um, in some ways more enjoyable, but I, th- I think has a, has a deeper impact, are the times that we get to spend in these full-day summits that we've developed from 9 o'clock in the morning until 4 o'clock in the evening on Saturdays. And sometimes we run those during the week as well so that we can actually, the ones that are during the week are geared more toward pastors and Christian leaders, uh, maybe Christian counselors, staff that work full-time at churches, because it can be so difficult for them, pastors in particular, to take a Saturday out of their schedule when they've been working all week and they're prepping for uh, the ch- uh, church, uh, doing the service at their church on Sunday, can be really difficult for them to come and spend a Saturday with us. And so we we run those at different times. Saturday is more for more public uh, individuals who just want to come and be a part of, of learning and growing as moms and dads or, or people even struggling with sexual sin uh, or identity confusion. And, um, and on, and during the week, of course, we're running that more for church staff and for pastors. Um, but anybody else who is able to be there, uh, that's not uh, precluded from their job, uh, from being there. So. Those, we did several of those on this event, uh, on this ministry trip. And as I said, preached on a number of Sundays. We did staff training as well, uh, during the week and sometimes on the weekend to, uh, just being able to share our story, being able to share the story, uh, of others who are out there publicly and serving the Lord out of the both LGBT community, but also those that have, um, testimonies of breaking out of, uh, pornography addiction and out of, um, heterosexual sexual brokenness. And and, and and in their own way, a, a kind of identity confusion about what it means to be a man or a woman made in God's image and how do I live that out well? Just because we are opposite sex attracted does not mean that we have a clue about how to live out our true identity, which is we are image bearers of God in our masculinity and in our femininity, according to James, uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So as you, if you've 
you know, watched us for any length of time or heard me speak, you know, the Genesis 1, 26 and 27 is really a pillar verse passage for us that, that underscores this vital need that we have to really identify, um, according to what, uh, who God created us to be as male and female bearing his image. And how do I bear that? Well, how do I really, uh, reflect the image of God in a way that glorifies him? And that, um, honors our, ourselves and, and the bodies that God has given us in a way that is holy, but also gives other people hope and encouragement and, and in many ways, much needed hope from these hopeless places that so many people have gone to. I once went to that felt like I was just, um, what once seemed like freedom and what once seemed like, oh, I'm just living, you know, my best life in a sense, or I'm living my true identity. I wound up finding out later that I was actually living in bondage. I couldn't stop what I was doing, or it felt like I could not stop what I was doing. And it really took God's intervention through his body, through men and women uh, who walked alongside of me. In my case, particularly, I needed men, godly men to walk alongside of me, to affirm me and bless me and, um, and, and share their own lives with me, to be vulnerable in their struggles and how God has has and is rescuing them out of some of their places of brokenness. So, I mean, God has been so good on, uh, with regard to that. And there was so much of that that happened on this trip. Another thing that was, um, really exciting about the trip that we were on this summer is that God just orchestrated and ordained opportunities to meet with, uh, new pastors and new, uh, churches, churches, pastors that heard about us. Uh, in one case, this is always a fun thing, but, and, and this happens, um, fairly frequently. Uh, I was up in, in New York over the summer and I received a message from somebody uh, who just reached out and said, hey, I know you're in Arizona. Um, don't know when you're going to be back up in New York again, but we would love to uh, have a conversation with you about possibly coming back and what ministry would look like at our church and that kind of thing. And it just so happened that I was driving within 30 minutes, uh, uh, 30 minutes, 30 miles of their church, uh, with the following, uh, week or two. And so I was able to reach out to them and just said, Hey, you know, if, if you guys have the bandwidth, this is the day that I'm going to be driving by and I could stop for like a lunch meeting or something. Well, that all worked out. And so they probably had, uh, eight or 10 different staff members there, including the senior pastor to engage in conversation around lunch and, and get to, I got to share my story and they got to ask lots of great questions. And we began to do some planning for what an event could look like at their church. So lots of those different kinds of opportunities that came up this time. And, and, and so good conversations with pastors about events that could happen and not just in the Northeast, more and more these couple of corridors we take to, to get from Arizona to the Northeast and sometimes a little bit of a different route um, coming and going. We are building more connections with families and with pastors along the way, churches along the way that uh, just keep um, uh, building and expounding and, and growing in depth. And so we're really excited about some of those opportunities that look like they'll be opening up in the future as well. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, again, if you're watching this uh, podcast and you have not yet connected us, me in particular, to your pastor or to other Christian leaders that you are aware of and you know, I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to let them know about um, our website, loveandtruthnetwork.com, to let them know about our podcast, to let them know about the uh, the teachings that are out there, the the ministry updates that we're doing, and the way that God is using the brokenness. It, it, it's always, to me, such an incredible thing 
that God takes my brokenness and your brokenness when we give that to him, when we say, Lord, you can do what you want to. If if you want to take these things that I once would have died if anyone knew, that I once would have um, done anything to hide and did do anything to hide, if you want to take these things and somehow use them for your glory, somehow use them to give others hope, somehow use them as I share my story, somehow I get more free and, and the shame falls off even more. Lord, if you want to do that, I don't know how you're going to do it. But if you want to do that, I'm willing for you to take these things. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, that's all that God needs to begin using uh, the beauty of his redemption in our life, uh, not just our salvation, which is so rich and powerful and necessary, but also the redemption and the transformation that he does in our lives over time, the sanctification process of becoming more like him because of the Holy Spirit now living inside of us and, and empowering us to become more and more like Jesus over time. So, it would encourage you to connect us with those that you know. Uh, we would love to have conversations with them. We'd love to do um, even some video training as as an initial uh, step. And usually that begins with a phone call. That begins with maybe a Zoom uh, session with the, with the pastor or the person that you know, or it's with you and them and me. And we can uh, kind of do that any way that, that, that works for them. So I uh, definitely would encourage you to, to spread the word. I, our goal as a ministry is to help churches around the country recognize that as much as we are trying as pastors and Christian leaders to lead our congregations well, to love those who God has put under our care, to be a good under-shepherd under Jesus Christ, every pastor desires that. Uh, and, 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 but and we especially want to work with um, Orthodox Christian churches that have uh, an understanding and a view that the scriptures are the word of God and that the scriptures speak to what does healthy sexuality look like? What does broken sexuality look like? And how can we um, how can we as a church walk alongside of those who are wrestling and struggling? The truth is we live in a time, we live in a generation, as you well know, where um, sex and identity are at the you know, the centerpiece of culture and, uh, you know, transgenderism in particular has, has become very much the center of the centerpiece. And in many churches, uh, that, that again, pastors and leaders who want to love well, moms and dads who want to love well, youth workers, uh, volunteers in our churches who want to love well, but yet struggle. I hear all the time the question of how do I love well? And, and, um, at the same time, not, not condone or, um, affirm uh, what the Bible calls sin? And that's a great question. It's a valid question. And it's a, it's a question that needs to be answered. And there are answers. There are scriptural answers. We can love well. and But the only way to love well is to not lose the truth of scripture. Once we take truth out of love, and maybe you've heard me say that many times before, but once we take truth out of love, it's no longer love. It, it may be exactly what the person is asking from us. It's, it's what I was asking for my parents at one time in my life when I identified as a gay man. I thought that love meant that you would affirm whatever I was wanting to do with my life, that you would, that you would meet my boyfriend and you would, um, you know, bless this relationship or maybe not bless it, but that you would try to be okay with it. Uh, that, that hopefully there'd be some that would celebrate that. But honestly, those who purport to be Christians, and, and who 
would say that that they are followers of the Bible, followers of God, to affirm what God says is sin is not love. And so Christian leaders and churches need to be equipped in a way that really empowers them and gives them the um, the encouragement and the bolstering that they really need to know, you know what, in this culture, in this age, the gospel is still relevant. In fact, the gospel is as relevant as it's ever been in any generation. And the gospel is good news for the LGBT community. The fact that God calls us out of our sin. He calls us out of our brokenness. He calls us out of empty ways of living into his glorious kingdom. I I think of Colossians, it talks about God uh, transferring us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That reality, that gospel message is still every bit as true today as it's ever been. And it's so needed today. People are so desperately lonely and empty and pursuing things that are utterly futile. And when, when they become more and more depressed, they have a culture around them. They have oftentimes leaders around them, leaders in the culture, leaders at school, but sadly, even many leaders in the church that are telling them, oh, this is fine. The direction that you're going in of pursuing a different gender, the direction you're going in of pursuing what God calls sin in relationship to um, uh, sexual union and romantic union, relational union uh, in, in a marital kind of way with the same gender, that that's all good. But that's a lie. That is not a true message. And it doesn't lead to thriving. It doesn't leave, lead to what truly promotes um, the best for that person. And so we want to be as a, as a ministry, ones who are equipping the church first and foremost. There are a lot of ministries and we, we love so many of them, um, that are out there that are doing great work of, of being available to individuals who find themselves stuck and struggling in a variety of, you know, sin situations, sexual situations, identity confusion, et cetera. And we want to see more um, of those kinds of ministries that are really rooted in biblical truth and biblical love uh, available for people to find, to, um, to, to go to for help and support and encouragement and, and really spiritual coaching and mentoring. But what, what our ministry is doing more than emphasizing that area is we believe that the church is meant to be this rich ground, this rich garden in which God can plant people, can bring people who are wrestling, hurting, struggling, and bring them into the mix with people who have um, have already gone before them in, in, in some significant ways, people who have known Jesus for a long time, people who are unashamed of letting God use their story, which is really his story, to... Um, uh, to use their story in a way to encourage others that God has not abandoned them, that he doesn't hate them, that they haven't gone too far to find redemption. All of those things are lies from the enemy and lies from the world. And, and so one of the things we often say and talk about is we believe that uh, a church that is moving toward more of a teaching hospital model is is the kind of church that we either want to work with or churches that are open to that idea and would like to to explore that idea like what would it look like to have uh, our congregation filled with nurses and doctors nurses and doctors that do you know family medicine in a sense i'm talking about family medicine for the soul for the spirit they're disciple makers they're ones who who 
you know, teach and, uh, and mentor in the whole council of scripture. And then there's going to be others in the church who have come out of specific areas of brokenness who God can use as more of a specialist to walk alongside of people who are dealing with some of those very, um, specific kind of, um, issues and, and situations. But I think as we begin to, and this is true of my story as well, as we begin to mature a little bit, as we begin to, uh, break free by the power of Jesus and through healthy community from the things that have bound us, the sexual sin that's bound us, the food addiction that's bound us, the alcohol or substance abuse that has bound us, the, um, the, the toxic way of thinking that has bound us in bitterness and hatred, uh, in, um, in, in kind of victim mentality. There's all kinds of things. And oftentimes it's not one of those things. It's multiple, um, issues that we've gotten bound up in and stuck in and entrenched in. But as we get set free of those things, we begin to recognize, I don't just have to be around those people who have come through the exact same situation. I believe the Lord wants us to be more well-rounded than that. He wants us as single individuals to be mixing it up with um, married couples and families and finding a sense of home and a sense of place with those couples and families. He wants us to, to do life together in that sense. He wants us to cross-pollinate in terms of what it looks like in terms of generational ministry that, that a young person and someone in their, in their forties and, and sixties and eighties that, that there would be, there's so much wisdom, uh, from those who have lived life for a long time that we're oftentimes not seeing passed on to younger generations or in some cases not wanted necessarily by younger generations because it seems so outdated or what have you. We need to be. Uh, embracing within the church these cross-generational opportunities and and these opportunities, again, to break out of our single mold, out of our married mold, um, our married with children mold, and all these these very specific ways that we uh, feel like this is our stage of life and we want to just be around people just like that. Well, I understand there can be a place for that. But ultimately, we need to learn to do life together. And I think we, we wind up growing so much, um, stronger in our, um, sort of spiritual immune system and in, in the way that our, our soul is strengthened by this multitude of different, um, I mean, diversity is a word that's, that's used a lot these days. There needs to be greater diversity in our, in our churches and in our discipleship when it comes to, just the things that I've mentioned, singleness, married, uh, older folks, younger folks, people in different stages of life, and also ones who have dealt with different kinds of issues. I desperately needed to be with some men in a men's group who did not deal with the same kinds of things I dealt with. I didn't just need to be with um, a bunch of guys who were coming out of homosexuality. There was a place for that. There was a time at conferences that I'd be at that were oriented around that area of ministry. And it was a blessing to see these brothers who were coming out of a similar background and sisters coming out of a similar background, similar struggles. Our stories were all different in one sense, but there were a lot of common themes there. That was an encouragement. But what I needed in my day-to-day -day life was a church. What I needed in my day-to-day -day life was a local church, the local body that was growing and becoming more mature. And we were, again, more of a teaching hospital model than a place to come and, and, and worship God on Sunday and receive teaching and preaching on Sunday, which I'm all for. Love that. Let's celebrate on Sunday. Let's get re, I often think I need my Sundays 
uh, or my regular time of going to, to church and hearing the word preached, I need my soul to be recalibrated every week. No doubt about that. And so I, I advocate for that. I know that that's a very important thing. The scriptures obviously advocate for that, but we need more than that in our personal lives. We need walking partners. We need men who have gone before us as, as men. Uh, we need men who are alongside of us as peers. We need, uh, others that we are discipling as women. We need the same thing. Some older women teaching the younger women. We need peers, uh, of, of women around us too as women. And so how can we, uh, coming back, you know, again, full circle, how can we as a ministry, Love and Truth Network, uh, bless and strengthen the church to embrace that idea of genuine community? of authentic community and vulnerable community where where we're not just sort of transparent and dumping our stuff and not caring who knows or what have you but where there's where there's a kind of vulnerability that is heart connected to the communication that we're giving it's not just that we have uh kind of we're dropping the chips wherever and and not worrying about it but rather we're wanting the lord to use our story and even some of those most shameful places of our life to give hope to others, as I've already said. We want the Lord to guide us in what we share and, and to give us the courage and the fortitude to walk alongside of people who today are really broken. And, and today, you know, they need others to have a bigger vision for them than they have for themselves. Maybe they have no vision for them, that, for themselves. That is very much where I was at one point. I had no vision for myself. I was, I wasn't even sure there were times I wasn't even sure I was a believer after I definitely had received Christ and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and experienced, um, that washing of regeneration, uh, uh, of, from Jesus and the blood of Christ and his finished work on the cross. I had placed my faith and trust in Jesus. And yet I got entangled and caught up in some old familiar things now as a Christian and I needed um, some others that were, that were walking with Jesus who could, um, cast vision for me of what life could look like as a, as a person who had resurrendered to Jesus, as a person who was allowing God to, to take, um, authority and take ground back in their life, um, as opposed to, being my own, um, in a sense, my own God or allowing the world to dictate how I was going to live or allowing the temptations of the enemy of my soul to dictate how I was going to live. And so as a ministry, we want to strengthen the church. We want to, we're all about the local church and believing that that is the fertile ground. Again, that is the garden in which God is going to grow and, uh, and, and sprout up, first of all, little seedlings. And those seedlings, Oftentimes those seedlings come from uh, young couples having children uh, in the midst of our church. And what are those children growing up in? What is the environment they're growing up in? What is being um, caught by them? Not just taught. I mean, they're, they're hearing a lots, lots of truth from scripture in, in their Sunday school classes and in their, in their uh, children's ministry and, and youth and all of that growing up into young adults. But what are they seeing modeled around them? Are they hearing testimonies of life change? Are they hearing that, you know, when, when there's temptation and, and peers are trying to pull them in a different direction, are they getting more than simply the Bible says, don't do that? 
and, and, and that's supposed to be sufficient. Are they actually seeing people's lives being transformed? Are they seeing people who are walking in victory and freedom and willing to share their lives? So that's one way that, that seedlings, uh, seeds uh, grow are planted and grow. And then also, um, folks that are, that are older adults, uh, maybe young people coming in from outside the church, coming to explore does Jesus have any relevance in my life? Does, I'm, I'm not even sure. Or maybe they've given their lives to Jesus through some event of some family member or situation, and they're looking for a local church to become a part of. What kind of soil are, uh, are they going to be planted into in our churches? What kind of soil would they be planted into in your church? Is your church the kind of church that practices vulnerability, that practices telling the testimony of God's work in your life, in, in our lives as a body? Is it a church that um, where people, regardless of what they struggle with, what they wrestle with, where they failed, where they've been overwhelmed, is, is your church a church that is equipped to walk alongside of those folks to the point that you you see them over the course of time become the nurses and the doctors that are there to help others who are coming in? So that really is why we exist as a ministry. We do not want to run parallel to the church. We do not uh, want to siphon people from the church into uh, you know, our ministry. Our ministry is there to equip the church. And we believe that, uh, as so many others have said, that God's, that the church is God's plan A for the world and there is no plan B. So to the degree in which um, you know, we can be helpful to you in your particular church or uh, your sphere of influence with other churches, uh, pastors, leaders that you might know. Uh, also, even possibly um, ministry within secular campus ministry programs like Crew or InterVarsity or um, I mean, there's others out there uh, as well. To the degree that we can become helpful there and be a resource for you, we would love to be. To the degree that um, our stories can help bolster uh, and give hope where the enemy wants to suck hope away, where the enemy wants to destroy uh, any any sense that God could do anything in my life, we want to shatter those lies and we want to see people set free to believe they can become more than they are today. And the truth is we can become so much more than we are today by the power of the cross, by the forgiveness that comes um, from Jesus, uh, uh, the forgiveness of our sins that comes from him. And so find ways, I would encourage you to um, to learn how to share your story to learn how to um, inviting God to give you opportunity. And you know what? It's scary, especially in the beginning. It, it is scary, but it's also what we've been called to. And so many of us are worried about rejection. We might be worried about gossip. I understand that. We might be worried about um, just being treated differently or somehow being labeled as that person or that kind of person. But I think that we need to... Um, to find churches and find support that will walk with us in some of our tender places or in some of our place, the places where we are not yet fully free. Maybe, in, maybe we don't feel like we're not just not fully free. We're not free at all. Let's find the help and support that we need so that our lives can take on real meaning. Our lives can take on real purpose. Again, if you've listened to me for any length of time or you've heard podcasts and interviews, uh, that have, uh, you know, happened over the course of the last few months on our um, on our podcast platform, you probably have heard me talk about two key things that I believe every human being 
was wired by God for. We were wired for belonging and we were wired for purpose. We were wired for belonging, which, which involves home. It involves love. It involves affection. It involves, it involves, um, relationship. And, and that's, that doesn't change just because we, um, we become adults. The nature of it or the way that we experience it, of course, changes from early childhood on up. But even as adult men, even as adult women, we need that sense of, we, let me put it this way. I, I think we do need it. No doubt about it. Some of us are so detached from that idea or we hate that idea. We want to be isolated. We want to be so totally self-sufficient, maybe not isolated, but totally self-sufficient. And so the idea that we would need belonging or that God made us for belonging, we don't actually like that much. And yet the scriptures are abundantly clear that we need to be walking the light with one another as God is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another when we're genuinely walking in the light. First John 1, 7, um, paraphrase there. But as we're doing that, as we're living life together, as Hebrews talks about encouraging one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that our hearts are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. As, as we're practicing what God has actually called us to relationally, we begin to experience this, this, um, uh, this growth and this, uh, sense of wellness and blessing. I think it's connected to the word shalom, uh, peace and, and well-being, not just for ourselves, but for um, those around us and uh, for communities as well. And it's, but that belonging is essential. Another key aspect, as I mentioned, is not just belonging. That's good. That's essential. I think that's kind of the basic uh, need of every human being, but we also need a, um, a deep sense of purpose. And that's where having our eyes, um, both our, our, our spiritual eyes lifted up from the mundane and from the uh, the stuff of this world, which so easily, like Hebrews also says that uh, we need to um, to get free from the things that so easily entangle us. And so often it's the mundane things of the world. It's the pressures of the world. It's the pressures of social media that have massive influence on adults, but even more so on young people and, and shape the way that they view themselves and others and how they, how they fit in. Do they belong? In many cases, they feel like they don't because of the, the garbage and the lies they hear on social media and other forms of media. And, um, you know, even, even in relationships too, but the, um, that need for, uh, great eternal purpose is something that if we can really tap into and if we can um, allow God to cast that vision through our brothers and sisters in Christ and we we will take hold of that vision for um, for the way that God wants to utilize us that our lives have deep meaning what nihilism and and this sense of um, kind of a death culture and a culture of death a culture of um, of despondency, of depression, of, of just feeling like life is worthless and what's the meaning of it all. Well, one of the two of the issues going on in that sense is people do not have a sense of belonging. Even young people, even children and their families often don't have that deep sense of belonging that God created them to have. And also they don't have that deep sense of purpose that God created them to have as well. So we want to see the church, uh, be our second chance at family. We want to see the church, which is obviously the bride of Christ. It is obviously um, the, the the tool by which God is moving 
on the earth through the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We read that, that Jesus said that. And so how can the church also be our um, true sense at family and be a little bit of a type of what's to come um, in eternity, right? And so we want to press into that. We want to um, be an encouragement to pastors, churches, Christian leaders, moms and dads, and strugglers that we don't have to stay bound in the lies of the world, in the lies of the enemy, in the lies of culture that are dressed up to look like truth. They're dressed up to look like compassion when actually the compassion that's being offered is anything but genuine compassion. So if there's anything that we can do as a ministry to encourage you or provide some direction in these areas of restoring relational and sexual wholeness and um, and biblical identity. We are here. We would love to hear from you. And we'd especially love to connect with um, the pastoral leadership in your life. So hopefully this episode um, has been some encouragement to you. Uh, and hopefully you'll take um, some action on what's been shared that has resonated with you. Take care. Bless you. We'll see you in a future episode. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.